Hi, this is Kalia. And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing. thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment. We have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get to it. <laughs> This episode, this is our April 7th episode, and we are, this is our first episode in this format, a little bit different than recording live at the studio at the radio station. Today we get to record by Zoom. Hi, Chris yeah. and Zoom. <laughs> Hi, Kaylee. <laughs> so we're, we can still see each other, but uh, you can't hit me from across the table. Uh, no, because, but I can see yeah. your cute little Star Trek uniform, and I'm very ah. impressed. <laughs> it's yes, a loungy video- outfit. It's not a uniform. It's a loungy outfit. It's what she might wear to the holodeck to do her own thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, should we talk about why we're doing this uh, now? Two episodes a month, maybe more in the future, but why we're doing this second episode? Yeah, for sure. It's it's fun to record live on the radio, you know, and we're lucky enough to have that studio space at KFCF in Fresno, but we felt really crunched for time and if you've listened to us at all or talked to us in real life you'll hear we both are we're talkers the two of us and so it was a little hard to keep everything contained and we thought well let's just make a a second episode and where we can talk more and and yeah i mean if, if you think about it doing a show a one hour show once a month, which is one hour once a month, uh, for anybody is tough. For me and Kalia, it's even tougher because we're both news hounds and we both do a lot in the community and we want to talk about a lot. So trying to fit all that, when we plan our, our radio show, I mean, we really concentrate on getting a lot of information into an hour. And then we also have a couple of songs that play on the radio station. So we really wanted to do a second episode, not only to get because we have so much information to talk about, but because we wanted to give more to the to the listeners. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So we thought we would do this. And in this episode, it's just going to be Chris and I. But in future episodes, we will have some uh, longer interviews, uh, a chance to really get in and not have to keep telling people, okay, well, your segment on the show is only about five to seven minutes. So, you know, we'll have to cut you off. Uh, yeah, no, waving we our hands to... saying, cut it, cut it, cut it. Yeah. Right. We want to be able to really get into some issues. And so we'll have some longer interviews and some guests uh, on the on these. Every other episode will be one of these. And then the, you know, so on the first Friday of the month, you'll get this. And on the third Friday of the month, you'll get a, a more condensed version. Yeah, you'll of still us. get but, our live show. Right. Different topics for sure. So don't feel like you gotta, you know, pick and choose. You can definitely listen to both episodes every month. There'll be different things. Yeah, we're not gonna repeat. So unfortunately, there's always new horrible news breaking. No, that's the truth. But so. let's talk about you and I for a second and introduce ourselves to to the audience. So tell me about you, Kalia, and who you are and your your credentials, so to speak. <laughs> okay, well, I'm Kalia Metcalf, and I am a queer 
woman who lives here in Fresno, California. I've been active as part of and in, an ally and supporter of and an activist for the LGBTQ community since high school, um, all the way back in the days of the the GSA is what it well it was actually the QSA, um, and then eventually became the GSA, the Queer Straight Alliance. And yeah, it was so, originally the Queer Straight Alliance. I didn't even know that. At my high school, it was. I can't speak for anybody else's, but oh, yeah. Cool. I mean, and I know you and I have had conversations about the word queer. Yeah. Um, you're a little bit, I think you've accepted that I use it now, but I remember one of the first times I said, oh, I like the word queer. You were like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not as I, much a and fan. I was wrong. I was wrong about that because uh, I totally get your take on it that queer encompass, in, in, you know, in, includes everybody, which I now agree with. And you and I both use it all the time now. Obviously, our show is it's a queer thing. Um, so I totally get that. There are still some people in the community that are opposed to it, but I think it's mm-hmm. a very, it's coming around and we've reclaimed the word and it's very inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is a, is a thing, but yeah, I, I came to it a little bit later too. I used to always use the word bi and uh, I would still, I guess, get more technical than say I'm bisexual, but I, there's a lot of baggage now with that and with the pan community, et cetera. And sometimes you just don't want to get into the semantical fight of the word right. means different things than it used to mean. And even though those words kind of mean the same thing now, there's baggage. And it's just easier for me to say I am queer and leave it at that. And right. um, anyways, I moved to Fresno 12, 13 years. I can't know. A while ago. And uh, <laughs> did a search on Google for LGBTQ and found the LGBTQ Community Center and walked in and said, I want to volunteer and I want to meet people. And Chris was there and we became friends. And then I, he was nice enough to invite me to sit on the board at GCV, Gay Central Valley. And then we ran the community center together for a while. And that's, those are kind of my, my main credentials. I was going to say writing for different gay publications, Blade California, writing for Community Alliance. Community Alliance, yeah. Yeah, and then also for yeah. also writing for the news link here and our writing, blog and all kinds and of our things. Our blog, yeah, writing has always been a big part of my form of activism, and yeah, and now now we don't do the community center, but I still like to write, and I still write a monthly LGBT themed book review, and still hang out with Chris, and now I do this, so yeah. that's me. Yeah. yeah, pretty simple. Tell us about you. So um, I got into activism in Fresno. 20 some years ago um, when um, I was looking for a place to be political and I found some blogs in Fresno where I could do some writing. And actually at the time, right about the time I did that, one of the the bar that I was working at got burned to the ground by an arsonist in a hate crime, which got me even more involved. And then later on, I helped found Gay Central Valley, which was an official rival 1C3 nonprofit. And we did that for many years and also created the the first LGBTQ community center in over 20 years in Fresno. And we had ran that for seven years, which Kalia was on the board with and, and helped me run it. Um, and now I'm working currently with the Quistry project, which is a project of community link where we document the history of the LGBTQ community in Fresno. And uh, I do this. It's a queer thing. Um, so Kaylee and I have been working together for many, many years. And uh, we just, we decided to do this show together and that's where we are now. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to our next segment, which is uh, Chris Flicks and Kalia's Book Nook, or something else delightful and fun that maybe we need to come up with. (laughs) (laughs) In this segment, Chris is going to give us a movie review, and I am going to give a brief book review. 
And yeah, that's what we're going to do. So, Chris, you you go first. All right. So my movie is Women Talking. Um, I have been I don't know what's going on with me. I love it, but I don't know how it happened. But I have delved into women for the last two months or so. Okay. Oh, my God. OK, well, oh let me God. rephrase that. I haven't. Wait, hey, hold on. You never actually said that you're a gay man at the beginning. I was like, I'm a That's queer true. lady. And you're That's like, true. I work in activism. So maybe you should tell the people let why that's funny. Let me talk about funny. the bitches I love. Let's do this. OK, so um, no, I've been ever since the abortion ban happened. I've really been looking at women's issues and women's books and women's movies. So my movie is Women Talking, which is a recent movie that was up for an Academy Award, and that's what kind of got my attention. Plus, um, the director is Sarah Polly, who I really like, and Frances McDormand is in it, who I really, really love. Now, she actually plays a minimal role, but this movie is based on a true-life story about a group of Mennonite women in uh, Bolivia. Now, this story, I don't think the movie takes place in Bolivia. I don't think they ever said, but I don't think it does. Um, this is a true story. Between 2005 and 2009, 150 women and young girls were drugged and then raped by men in their secluded Mennonite community. Um, the women would wake up having no idea what happened, but seeing blood on their sheets and their legs and noticing that their underwear was missing. The age range of the victims spanned from five to 65. Um, and as we've uh, seen in other closed religious systems, Mennonite communities normally handle such things in-house. But this time, the elders of the community, all men, got suspicious and decided to follow one of the men at night, thereby catching him in the act, reported the crime. And there was an eventual trial. Now, the movie, um, the book and the movie is a little different. I'm not going to talk about the book right now. But the movie is strictly from the women's point of view. And the reason I found this movie so fascinating and so intriguing was it is a group of women by themselves discussing how to move forward from this awful tragedy of this abuse. Um, they decided they had three choices. They could do nothing, they could stay and fight, or they could leave. Those were the things they laid out for the women to discuss. They had to vote on this, and then throughout the film, they had to discuss why they would do one of these three choices and what the consequences were. And of course, religion plays a big part in this. And the women are concerned about not getting into heaven if they do A, B, or C. Um, there's one character in the movie that is a man that is um, in with the women, actually being the secretary and taking the notes, and is an apostate and is now um, uh, commiserating with the women and taking the notes and actually is in love with one of the women. Um, so the whole concept of the movie is women fighting back against men. I found it, even though it was in the Mennonite community, I never really thought of it that way. I thought of it as current, uh, the women fighting against things like, you know, an abortion ban or fighting against all the, uh, misogynist things that are happening to them in America. There are, there are women that are absolutely with let's leave. And there are women that are absolutely let's stay. And there are women that are absolutely let's do nothing. Um, and so the, the ramifications of that among the women themselves is very interesting. I think it's a great movie. Um, it stars people like Rooney Mara and uh, Ben Wishaw and Frances McDormand. Um, and again, it's directed by uh, Sarah Polly, who if you don't know who Sarah Polly is, go check out a 1999 film called Go. It stars Sarah Polly among other people. It's a fascinating movie from three people's perspectives, very different from this movie. Um, but I think this is a great movie that everybody should see and relate it to what's going on with women today. Is Go that movie that the tagline was Life Begins at 3 a.m. and there's like 
the the guys with ecstasy and and yeah and, uh, yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's a great oh, okay. movie it, it breaks the movie breaks up in three sections from three different points of view um, and there's overlapping stories it's right. very well done yeah very well oh, done that love that movie and she was in that sarah polly actually the first thing i ever saw her in was um baron von munchausen she was oh, the child yeah. in that movie so many years ago and now she's a director and um they won some academy awards this year i think sarah polly won for writing maybe um but it, it's an excellent film i think you should check it out cool well i definitely plan on watching that film early next week because in, in a in a fun little twist of fun uh chris and i we'll be doing a podcast episode for my other podcast where we usually talk about movies based on books. And we're going to talk about that book and movie combo. And I've read the book, but I haven't watched the movie yet. I was saving it, but I'm glad I'm to the hear opposite. that. You... I've watched the movie, but I haven't read the book yet. So yeah, so there we go. So <laughs> next week we'll both have caught up with one another exactly. and then we will compare notes. It should be a fun episode. Yeah. So I knew that that was your your movie pick, and I also knew that we'd be talking about it. So I definitely didn't pick that book as my as my book this time around for this episode. I want to talk about a book called Mad Honey, and Mad Honey is a book that is written by Jody Peacoat. Peacoat. I I can't. I how do you spell she, it? P-I-C-O-U-L-T. And her first name is Jody. And I always thought it was like Picolt, but I saw her on TikTok and she said Picoat. And I was like, oh, okay, it's Picoat. So it's Jody Picoat, but in my head, I keep I, that sounds wrong to me, but that is how she said it. So, okay. Anyways, she writes a lot of books. And they're like, these are like the books that you see at um like at Walgreens. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, they're just there's just tons of them. And Ironically, the first book and movie combo I ever wrote about was her book and movie, uh, My Sister's Keeper. A lot of her books are very emotional and they are a lot of times very emotionally manipulative. And sometimes I just can't deal with that. I feel like I don't want to see the strings, you know, holding the puppets. So I was a little like, I don't know this. Uh, maybe I don't want to read this book. And then somebody told me, actually, I think you specifically should read this book so that you can write about it. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds interesting. So I read it and I will I will tell you what, what I you know going into it. And then I'm actually going to give a little bit of a spoiler because I think the spoiler is what makes it worth reading. So basically you've got this woman, she had a, an abusive husband and she's got a son and they live on, you know, a farm and away from the abusive husband now. And she's, you know, takes care of bees. That's why there's this honey, there's a whole honey theme going on. Okay, great. Woman and her, you know, teenage son. And then also in town is, an, is another lady who has moved into this town and she's got a daughter and the daughter and the son, of course, fall in love and start dating and everybody's all happy and everything's wonderful. And then they have a fight, this daughter. Um, apparently the boyfriend was like, hey, you know, as a present to you, I'm going to call your estranged father that you haven't seen in a long time and he'll show up because I don't have a dad. And you know, maybe you'd like to see your dad. And she's like, hell no. And so then they have this big fight and then she dies. She is murdered, like straight up murder. She's dead. And everybody thinks that it's the boyfriend, the son of our main woman. Right. OK, so then what we have is kind of like this this trial procedural about who killed her, you know, what actually happened, et cetera, et cetera. The interesting there's two interesting things. One is that the entire book is split back and forth between the perspective of the mother of the accused boy moving forward in time, basically from the day it happened forward. 
and the perspective of Lily, the girl who died, from the perspective of four months previous, moving forward and backwards in time. So they and they don't really converge in any way, real way until you know one point early and at one point later. So you're getting to know this character Lily, even though she dies very, very early in the book. Okay, great. So that's interesting, right? Interesting perspective. Now here's the spoiler. Lily is trans. And oh. we don't know that until much further along. And then the question is, did the boyfriend know that? When did the boyfriend know that? Is that the reason why he killed her? Or did he not even kill her? Did somebody? Okay, so I'm not going to spoil any more of it. But I will tell you that I found it really interesting. That had gotten spoiled for me. I knew that she was trans. I knew somebody was trans. And as I was reading it, I was like, it has to be her. But it's very... um covered up it's 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 they she really holds on to this <laughs> this little kernel for a long time and in fact there are scenes that you read and you go this character can't possibly be trans by the way that they're talking about this that and the other thing especially about their body and 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 you know there's their sex and all these things so it was it was interesting what i find one of the best parts about this book though is that there's a certain amount of knowledge that I would say myself and Chris we have because we have been active in the LGBTQ plus community for years and years. We've had conversations with trans people. We do trans related events. We are very mindful of the civil rights, you know, issues of our trans brothers and sisters, but a lot of other people aren't. And so even though in this book there were sometimes pages of somebody explaining the trans experience and explaining what the word transgender means and explaining this concept and that concept because at one point the mom goes out to find a trans person to ask all her trans related questions and get answers and and so it was educational in that i didn't learn anything because i happen to already know everything that you know that this book is trying to teach you but this is the kind of book that my aunt or my grandma or mm. a church lady or some other middle class, upper middle class white lady in a Walgreens is going to see and be like, oh, I recognize that author. And I read her book about the kid with cancer. And so I feel like having a good cry and I'm going to get this book. And then this book will educate that person. Yeah. So this is one of those books that I feel like you can it's it's kind of like a wedge book. You could you could hand it to somebody and be like, read this book. It's really emotional. I educating you. Learn something. <laughs> Learn something. Because by the time you get to that point, you really feel for these characters yeah. and you care. And and yes, she is trans, and that is a major part of who she is, but she's way more than that and her other trauma and you know, it has to do with her father not accepting her and like all of these things. It's it's very moving. Do you um, think that the, you, you mentioned that they don't reveal the book doesn't reveal until later that she is trans? Mm -hmm. Do you think part of that is because they wanted her to be a fully developed character and the trans was kind of a throwaway, not a throwaway, but, you know, we don't want to constant. We don't want people to think that everything that happens to her is because she's trans. Yes, I do. And I also think that it, you could read the back of the bl book blurb and the whole beginning part and not know, right? And I will tell you, I read the back of the book blurb and I was like, eh. But then when someone told me there was a trans character, I was like, well, okay, now I have to read it. But I could see why they would be very careful with the marketing to be like, we're not going to herald or you know highlight this aspect because we don't want people to instantly not read it because there's a trans character, which yeah. I think a lot of people do. 
Um, this is really interesting considering, you know, what's going on in, with banned books and libraries. And this author right. has been banned all over the place. Um, so, you know, there's that. But let anyways, me, let me say this. I left this out of my women talking movie review. Um, there's a trans character in this movie, which totally threw me. They, they show it about middle of the movie and you kind of guess maybe something's going on here. And actually, I read when I was you know, reading more to remind myself, because I watched this movie like a month ago, to remind myself about the movie. I read some things today and I came across some stuff about the book to the movie, which we won't talk about because we're going to do that on Kalia's podcast, <laughs> Pages and Popcorn. But they talk about it uh, in, in re terms of the book that this character was molested and sexually abused by men. And so she started wearing boys clothing. They don't present it that way in the movie. The, in the movie... And that's probably that might be the reason in the movie, but they don't present it that way. In the movie, you just see this woman and then now you see her dressed as a man. And this is a Mennonite community. So the trans thing never really came across my mind. But then toward the end of the movie, she's introduced um, back to the women with her male name, which is, I think, Melvin. Melvin. I, I just started bawling my eyes out because the women referred to her as Melvin without her requesting it. And she said, thank you for using my real name. And that that, that happened in a Mennonite community was so much, not that the trans stories out there aren't strong, but it was, it really hit me that, oh my gosh, these women who a lot of them can't read or write because they weren't educated, they have accepted this man who was a woman to them to begin with as uh, her new identity i am i you know i'm going to save a lot of my thoughts for when we talk about this in yeah the, i know in the we're podcast. blowing our podcast i know <laughs> yeah. but i will say that that is an interesting thing because it is a changing your gender and your gender identity as a form of reclaiming your power and dealing with trauma is legitimate but it is not is not the common trans. reason yeah. for people being trans. Right, so right. that is that is interesting that that was the choice that they made. One thing I will point to in this book that um, when the mom of the of the accused boyfriend goes off to find a trans person to have all her trans you know questions answered, she finds a trans person in this town and she said, "I need to talk to you. I have so many questions." And the and the trans lady says to her, "You know what they say? You know, if you meet one trans person, you've you've met one." trans person <laughs> because yeah, yeah. the experience is so different right, and exactly. varied. And I found that was like a really good, good point. So I would, I would recommend this book, Mad Honey. Um, you can get it. I got mine at the library. They've got lots of copies if you don't feel like purchasing it, but you definitely check it out and use your library because libraries are awesome. And yeah, so I would recommend that book and you would recommend that. And movie. I would recommend that movie. Absolutely. And if you want to hear more about that movie and the book it was based on, well, shameless plug for Pages and Popcorn podcast. <laughs> Another segue <I> know. <laughs> to the Pages and Popcorn podcast, which we will be recording in another week or so and um, releasing soon. Okay, so let's move on to our next segment, which is about <laughs> news of note. Dun -dun -dun. Oh, my, my, my. And isn't there a lot of it lately? That's for sure. There is. And we know you don't tune into this podcast to find out about news specifically because, you know, news is everywhere. But we did want to touch on a few things and, and give our responses to them. I know, Chris, you've got a list, so I will. Well, I do. Well, the first thing I want to say is let's just talk about the number of anti-LGBTQ bills that have been introduced in the last year and a half. Last year, 
in 2022, there were 315 bills introduced. This year, just since January to April, we have had 417 anti-LGBTQ laws. So in the last year and a half, we have had 700, about 750 anti-LGBTQ laws or bills introduced. Now, that's a huge uptick from previous years. Um, and it should give everybody pause when they think about who they're electing to Congress and what Congress is doing. And there's a whole lot we can talk about on this subject. But I just wanted to throw that number out because it's very important to the shifting landscape of civil rights in this country. I have a question for you. Yeah. I, I know that a lot of these bills are getting traction and are getting passed. So they're not just proposed bills, but they're getting signed in. And then even if they're getting vetoed, they're getting the vetoes are getting override. Do you have those numbers? Because well, I also know that sometimes people introduce laws just for the shock value, true. just to get people mad. And those laws, we, we whirl our eyes. We're like, that'll never pass. And what I my fear is that so many of these people are like, whatever, that's so ridiculous. It won't matter. Mm -hmm. And then stuff is actually passing because people aren't paying attention. So do you have the number of ones that have actually I have gone the number through? for 2022, which is 91 percent of the bills failed. Now, you might go, oh, that's a great number, but there were 315, and I'm not good at math, so do the math of what 9% of 315 is. Alexa, what is 9% of 315? 9% of 315 is 28.25. 28 point So 28 bills turned into law, and I don't have what those bills were, but they were anti-LGBTQ bills. So the law that passed in Kentucky recently, the, the legislature passed it, the governor vetoed it. And then when it went back to the legislature, they overrode the veto. So it's now a law. And some of the things this thing does is it bans gender affirming care. It allows teachers to not use or tells teachers it's OK to not use the preferred pronouns for students. Um, and it uh, actually allows doctors to to detransition people that were already in the course of transitioning. It's a totally anti-trans bill. And even though the governor vetoed it, it got back into becoming a law because the legislature overrode the veto. I, I just, every time I looked at this, I could not believe what it was doing. And the fact that the legislature said, oh, the government um, overturned it, but we're gonna put it back. So I know we all feel, and I said this recently at a trans rally, I know we all feel safe in California and we are right at the moment very, very safe in California, but these things are starting to happen across the country. Yeah. And there's a couple of really scary maps. I can definitely link them in the show notes that have, to, that show you the best and worst states for LGBT rights and specifically for trans rights. And it is, it is, it is very flyover state, very much the South. These are profoundly unsafe places for, for trans people. And yeah, it is I mean, like, like you said, Idaho and Indiana have passed uh, mm -hmm. laws blocking youth and gender affirming care. This is one of the main things they're going after is they are saying, and when we play you our uh, clip from the trans rally here in Fresno, you'll hear someone talking about it. They are saying that doctors are surgically altering children and mutilating children, and that's how they are getting people on their side to um, ban gender affirming care. When in fact, gender affirming care is backed by the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association. Every study, everything that they've done proves that kids that don't have gender affirming care, whether that's counseling, whether that's um, therapeutics, they will not only 
you know, uh, deteriorate, but they will have a higher suicide rate. It's very detrimental to kids who are in their teens. Um, and the, the surgery thing is minuscule. So people always throw that out there, but that's really a, a bullshit argument. It's definitely one of those, if it bleeds, it leads kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Give you the absolute worst thing so that you get scared and then you go to the polls and you vote the way we want you yeah, to vote. There was actually uh, some good news. Governor Murphy in New Jersey signed an executive order 326 establishing New Jersey as a safe haven for gender affirming health care by directing all state departments and agencies to protect all persons, including healthcare professionals and patients against potential repercussions resulting from providing, receiving, assisting in, providing or receiving, seeking or traveling to New, Jer- New Jersey to obtain gender affirming health care services. Um, there's also a good news thing. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court denied West Virginia's bid to reinstate a law banning transgender student athletes from joining teams that align with their gender identity. Yeah, that's another big thing going on out there. And, you know, really look into this um, if you're interested, because there are arguments on both sides. But the argument against trans people uh, uh, competing in the sport that aligns with their chosen gender um, the argument against that is disproven over and over and over again. And again, these numbers are extremely small trans athletes that are uh, trying to perform or attempting to uh, compete in sports that match their gender identity. But that's another thing that the GOP is going after. They're basically saying men are trying to take over women's sports. But what's interesting, I don't know if you saw this today, but Caitlyn Jenner made a big speech against trans athletes. Um, and she's trans. I mean, I don't even understand this. Martina Navratilova is against this. There were there are people in our community, in the LGBT community, who are against this. Well, like we said before, when you've met a trans person, you've met one trans person. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> and, true. And that's like true. I was talking to somebody the other day, she was saying, I have this family member and they're doing all these crazy things and they're trans and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I don't know you know, if they're doing the crazy things because they're trans or they're trans because they're doing these crazy things. And I was like, look, there's assholes in every group. Um, there are people who are jerks in every group and it doesn't, you know, so just like the shooter in Nashville who was tra- who we, who we were told is trans and mm-hmm. people are now using that to go against the trans community when this is one person. And if right. they're trans, they're trans. That doesn't necessarily have anything to do with right. the fact that they are out there murdering people. One plot point does not a pattern make. Right. As a writer <laughs> spoken, like a true writer there. I will tell you, though, that when that that shooting happened in Tennessee, what was shocking to me was not that there was a shooting. It was that it was a woman. Yeah, exactly. But who probably who was supposedly identifying as a man. As, so. As, so then I was like, oh, well, OK. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that, about... that keeps that pattern going, does it right, not? Right, <laughs> right, yeah, I'm true. sorry. Yeah, no, it's, you're yeah, right it's... in a way. Um, uh, what about the uh, Bud Light controversy with Dylan oh, Mulvaney? My goodness. Talk about okay. that. So I love Dylan. I've been watching Dylan on TikTok forever and ever. And for those of you who don't know, Dylan is a trans woman whose whole whole shtick is day one of living like a girl, day two of living like, and she talks about her life and her transition and she's very open and she's very engaging and she's just amazing. Anyways, she partnered with Bud Light to be a spokesperson. This is how influencers, influencers make their money and more power to them. Hurrah, hurrah. And a bunch of conservative people lost their ever-loving mind about it um, because how dare Bud Light, you know, support or be, you know, connected with the trans community. The the funny thing is, there, there's a little funny here, okay? First of all, 
I, Chris and I have talked before about the rainbow pandering issues. Um, a company can say, oh, yes, let's put a rainbow on it, you know, and then then that makes us supportive, which isn't always true. Sometimes they're just putting a rainbow on something to try to right. sell more things during Pride Month. Right. So whether or not Bud Light is actually supportive, you know, I mean, I think that, again, one plot point is not a plot point. It is a plot point. It's not a pattern. So there's that. But also a lot of people started going, oh, God, we got to drink Coors and stuff. OK, well, I'm just going to point out that Coors Light, Budweiser, Miller Light, Michelob Ultra, they all have run pro LGBTQ campaigns in the mm -hmm. past right. and they didn't get the same kind of backlash as Bud Light. And the question is, is it because Bud Light was specifically a trans connection or is it because people are like so these snowflakes are so triggered now yeah, <laughs> to yeah. use their own parlance. Um, and just, yeah. to, just to mention, too, that the cans that they put uh, Dylan's face on aren't even for sale. It's not like you can buy them in the store because and I only say that because people are saying this is going to be, you know, you're, you're shoving this in the public space. But these are just commemorative cans. You can't buy them in the store. I will point out that they did rainbow bottles of Bud Light in 2019 that you could buy you could in buy. New York's city. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think for a while you and I both had the the, the rainbow Doritos bags oh, around yeah, yeah. somewhere. You know, I, I don't mean, know where one, mine ended up. I had one at one point. I, I yeah, it, it, the rainbow stuff doesn't again. Does well, not I, I mean, and let me just say because I hear this all the time from the LGBTQ community that they're pandering. I would prefer that companies pander oh, yeah. rather than ignore us. So, you know, let Target, let Bud Light, let Doritos, let all these companies pander to us because it puts us in the forefront of the uh, opposition's face. So I'm all for pandering. I, I totally agree that many times it is just pandering. But the more we're out there, the better uh, for us. And the other thing is this is capitalism, right? And, and Bud Light. Right. They're in the business of making money. They're not in the business of making people happy. They want to make money. So they have decided as a marketing strategy that they will make more money if they are supportive of the LGBT community, right. which is to me a net good yeah. <laughs> because what they're betting on is that there's enough LGBTQ people and allies who are going to be happy about and that those two numbers together is a bigger number than the people who are going to be sad about it. Yeah. And I was let's looking, hope that that's right. <laughs> I was reading some comments uh, online a couple of days ago about this whole thing. And yes, the comments were on a Fox uh, Facebook page, but whatever. I, I tend to go there because I want to hear what the crazies are saying. And one of the guys was, who even effing drinks Bud Light anymore? <laughs> and I messaged back, Bud Light is the number one beer in America. And he's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, a lot of people drink it. You're, 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 you're acting like if you say this is a terrible thing and nobody drinks Bud Light, it really is truth. It's not. Lots of people, millions and millions and millions of people drink Bud Light, and they are responsible for lots of other brands besides Bud Light. As well, well, that was the other thing. Half of America's top 10 most popular beers have LGBTQ partnerships, and Bud Light is run by Anheuser-Busch. They make so many things. You can't, I mean, right, it's right. just... But I, I really like the the there's been TikToks of people being like, I'm going to pour out all my Bud Light while I stand here next to my Ford wearing my Adidas exactly. hat. And you're like, uh, OK, I'm sorry. But if you're going to decide to boy, which is you're right, you want to boycott because you don't like what a company does that more power to you. I don't go to Chick-fil-A. I don't go to Hobby Lobby. They're like we all have our lines. Right. But 
at the same time, you can't be like, uh, I'm going to do this, you know, boycott because of their stance while you're still doing it with other things. That yeah, just realize makes who makes your iPhone, people. Come on. it's, it's Yeah, it's exactly. Um, so. Did you hear about Candace Owens? Just uh, I know this is a little off this the trans topic we're on, but did you hear uh, Candace Owens's? I don't know how to do that last name, plural, reached out to this interior designer. His response was, I'd rather get beat in the ass with a wooden plank than ever go near either one of you. Um, which now she's been putting out on social media to think that it was discrimination, even though, of course, he didn't. He, his response when they claimed it was discrimination was, "What I like about the Candace Owens thing, uh, interior designer response, is that this guy didn't just say no, I can't do the work for you out of fear of retribution. He came right out and said, you're abhorrent people, and I don't want to work with you." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> On that lost, note. <laughs> we kind of lost our direction here, but let's try and get back to it. Okay. Do you want to do any more newsy things or shall we? Yeah. Move? Let's talk about drag a minute. Okay. Do you have anything on the drag or? I would just say no. I okay. I think that it's ironic that everybody is so upset about drag stuff when okay. it's it's guns that are killing children. Well, let's let's talk about the backlash against the drag community and you all are kind of aware of what's going on, but since Kalia mentioned libraries, Texas Senate has voted to defund libraries where drag queens read to kids since it's trying to limit the performances that kids can attend. The Texas Senate on Wednesday approved two bills aimed at restricting drag performances that children can attend or see. One of them, Senate Bill 1601, would defund public libraries where drag queens are allowed to read to children. The other, Senate Bill 12, bars kids from drag shows if the performances are overly lewd or lascivious. Um, what is interesting about these laws that are passing is they're saying lewd and lascivious for drag queens. One of them even went so far as to say any show exhibition or other presentation in front of a live audience which in whole or in part depicts or simulates nudity sexual conduct sexual excitement or specific sexual activities this includes the lewd exposure of prosthetic or imitation genitals or breasts well so all those women out there with fake breasts who are in <laughs> any kind of performance activity las vegas wherever they're going to have to start going after them, too. So I don't know how they expect to enforce this stuff. And my my suspicion is that uh, the, the lawsuits that are come back against them are going to uh, really hinder their movements against the LGBTQ community. But this is kind of what I'm thinking a lot lately is the, the conservative movement in this country is going so far. And we saw it in Tennessee yesterday, which was just stunning what happened in Tennessee yesterday, where they expelled two members of the legislature, two black male members of the legislature, but kept the one white uh, female member of the legislature. They're going so far that it's going to backlash against them, which is good for us. Yeah, I do have um, I want to if you didn't see the stuff that happened in Tennessee yesterday, I urge you to watch it. Um, and there's a follow up today about they may be reinstating these guys, whatever. But Justin Pearson was one of the ones that was expelled. I want to read to you a little bit of what he said in his rousing speech, which I thought went way over the top religious wise. And I don't agree with that. But a couple of things he said that I really agree with. He said, we and you and he's speaking to the legislature in Tennessee are seeking to expel District 86. 86's representation from this house in a country that was built on a protest, in a country that was built on a protest. 
you who celebrate July 4th, 1776, pop fireworks and eat hot dogs, you say now that protest is wrong because you spoke out of turn, which is what these representatives were accused of doing. Because you spoke up for people who are marginalized, you spoke up for children who won't ever be able to speak again. You spoke up for parents who don't want to live in fear. You spoke up for Larry Thorne, who was murdered by gun violence. You spoke up for people that we don't want to care about in a country built on people who speak out of turn, who speak out of turn, who fought out of turn to build a nation. You know, this is such an important statement. He's saying to the legislature, because if you don't know the story, these um, three representatives went up and stood in front of the legislature with bullhorns to protest the gun violence that happened a few days ago in Nashville, and they got expelled for it. Um, he's saying this whole country, for God's sake, was built on protest, and you're now expelling us because we are protesting. Yeah, 10,000 students went to this protest. Um, yeah. I love the quote from Alexandria or, or yeah, Alexandria or Cassia or Cortez, who said, Republicans may think they won today in Tennessee, but their fascism is only further radicalizing and awakening an earthquake of young people, both in the South and across the nation. If you thought youth organizing was strong, just wait for what's coming. Gen Z don't play. Yeah, and she exactly. Is right. But I want to um, go back to the library thing real fast, because uh, in Idaho, they have proposed a law and it is it's being uh, it's waiting now with the uh, because they're out of session. Um, but it is basically that any. <laughs> OK, this is this is great. So the language is very, very vague. But if there's anything in a book that a parent or another adult deems inappropriate, then they can, that is then checked out to a child, somebody under the age of 18, then the library can be sued for twenty five hundred dollars. So anybody could put something in the children's section or any parent could be like, you mentioned gay people in this book or underage sex or drugs or violence or anything that I personally feel is, is inappropriate for children. Um, and then the library can be held liable. Here's the problem with this. There's a couple of problems. One is that some of the required reading for children is actually violent. My daughter is in fifth grade and starting in third grade, they started reading books where animals died, people right. died, you know, right. whatever. And, or the immigrant story. And like, so there's things anybody could say, I'm offended by this. So because the libraries are scared of getting, you know, basically sued and what their response is, is that we're going to take away library cards from anybody under the age of 18. If you're under 18, you can't go to the library without a parent. Unbelievable. So yeah, this is but not now, do they, they Don't they, because what I read recently was it has to be a parent, because it only takes one parent to mm -hmm. complain, but it has to be a parent of a child affected in the area, right? Like, in other words, I'm childless. I couldn't call up and say, I want a, this book ban because I don't have a stake in the game. There's a little bit of confusion in the way the bill is written right now in terms of who would get to file these claims and whatnot. So. Right. It's another I would fun. urge any parents out there within the sound of my voice to protest if the Bible is part of a school library or a local library, go protest the Bible because it's filled with pornography and murder and bloodshed and just see how it goes from there. I think that's how we fight these fights. We fight them on their own battleground. Of course, we don't want to say as liberals and open minded, logical people that you can't have the Bible. But if that's what it takes to get their attention, I urge you to do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Again, what constitutes as quote unquote harmful material? Right. It's very op open to interpretation. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's really bummed. 
Look, that's a lot of bummer news, Chris. Can we move into a different segment or do we want to talk? You know how I love to wallow in the bummer news, Dahlia. <laughs> I don't have my goat uh, button here to, to push, but okay, let's go. Okay. I would be really happy if we could move into a different yeah, section. Yeah, I'm kind of depressed too. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but our next section is is a mixed bag, I would say, because because of a lot of these transgender, anti-trans bills that have been happening. Um, and because last week was Transgender Day of Visibility, which is normally supposed to be the happy trans day. There's two national trans days and international trans days. And one is the Transgender Day of Remembrance. It happens in November. And it is where basically you remember all the trans people who were killed uh, by suicide or straight up murder in the last year. And the numbers are shocking and it's sad and it's there's candles and it's it's like a sobering moment. But the other fun, the other trans day is supposed to be fun and it's the trans day of visibility and this is like a celebration of trans culture and you know reminding people that trans people are people and like they are valid and wonderful and let's celebrate them and you know have body you know not dysmorphia but you know in in the opposite of dysmorphia which is a word i can't think of off the top of my head anyways embrace um, who you are embrace who you are euphoria that's the word body euphoria, euphoria. That's the word. yes okay anyways so but all of these things are happening right now, right? And so it's hard to have a really awesome trans day of visibility when so much sad is happening. So in Fresno, as well as all over the country, there was national protests and rallies on the 31st of March in honor of the trans community. And we went to the one here in Fresno. It's uh, There's some video on our TikTok and on our Facebook page. And um do you want to say anything else or shall I just go ahead and play the segment? I want to say there's one person we talked to in this segment that was the one sole protester that came out. And I know a lot of people say to me, don't talk to the protesters. I prefer to talk to them if I can to kind of hear their point of view. So he's on here, too. OK, so let's go to that. Rights are under attack. What do we do? When human rights are under attack, what do we do? Okay, so what's your name and why are you here today? Hello, my name is Shai. I'm pronouns they, them, and theirs, trans non-binary. I'm here today to really support the trans youth, right? And so um, I'm also a part of different organizations that are supporting trans youths. Do you feel there's a danger in recent months, days, with all that's going on with the laws that are being passed against the LGBTQ community, the shooting that just recently happened and those those things? Yes, definitely, definitely. And regardless if they happen in California or not, we have felt the impacts of it. It is an attack on trans folks everywhere and queer folks everywhere. And so it's important for us to stand up so here important. on a very public corner. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so we're here with Axel, who's out at the rally at Blackstone and Knees. Axel, why did you come here today? Because I'm lesbian, and I need to support my people. But the thing is, my mom's homophobic. She said she would call the cops on me if I come out here. And I really need to support my people right now because of what happened. And because we are being attacked. Well, just... You're very, very Brave. You're brave, and I want you to know there's a very big community here. This yeah. is just a small part of it, so, yeah. you know, if you get in trouble, you can reach out to us, okay? Yeah. So stay safe. Be careful. Okay. okay. When human rights are under attack, what do we do? When 
you uh, tell us who you are and what you're doing out here today? Uh, I'm Rocio Velasco Stoll. I'm the president of the Fresno Spectrum Center. Uh, I actually partnered up with uh, Fresno's LGBT Youth Alliance uh, so that we can have a rally out today because today's a national movement for uh, youth that are queer and trans uh, for their rights. Because uh, right now on a national level, um, their rights are being impeded by several states in our, in our country. So we want to help to prevent that from happening here in California, which there's already one bill by one state legislature down south uh, who actually wants to... Um, in this state? Out, yes. Oh he God. wants to have the teachers out students who are trans or queer uh, to their parents, and the student, the teachers would have only three days to do it with them. Good God. So, what's the turnout here? It is dynamic. We have on one corner, I'd say about... 40 to 50 people on another corner. Looks like we have another 25. So we, we got a pretty good turnout for what was a really quick organized event. <laughs> and I know that these are happening kind of on the national level too. Yes, uh-huh. uh huh. It's under queerassembly.org. Uh, they have uh, actually on their maps all the places that are actually celebrating and doing something today a march, a rally whatever they can do. Wonderful. Anything else you want to tell our listeners about the movement or trans rights or what we, what is something tangible that a lay person at home can do if they've obviously, they've missed the protest today or the rally, but next week, tomorrow, next month, what can people do to support the trans community? Write to your state legislators, uh, Senate, assembly members, let them know that you're on the supporting end of transgender youth rights. Well, transgender rights in general. Uh, and show your support by letting them know that, you know, you're the one who put them in there in that position, uh, and you can take them out. Awesome. <laughs> so. Okay. So what's your name and why are you here today? Josh Fulford, because I stream on Oreo Express, and I heard this event was going on in my hometown, and I wanted to come out and document it. Okay. It's hot topic this week. Are you for it or against it? I'm for freedom of speech. I'm not for um, the dismemberment of our children. Um, but I am for, I'm for anybody to live their freedoms as long as they don't intrude on my family or my beliefs. So this is strictly about gender reassignment surgery, is that? For me, that's what it is, for the youth. Which that's you know all. is almost non-existent. Well, I've met some people that it wasn't non-existent. So I was at the detransition rally two weeks ago in, in Sacramento. So I just think when it comes to children, you wouldn't say, oh, let's give a 15-year-old a gun because they're not old enough to handle a gun. They're not, they're not mature enough to handle a gun. So I think a decision as a life-altering decision that's that major, that cannot be reversed, should not be done until okay, they're an adult. You, you do understand that the uh, American Medical, Medical Association, Psychological Association, everybody in that, that realm of care suggests that treating children who are trans when they are young or teenagers benefits them, does not hurt them. Oh yeah, you can also tell me mask works because the CDC said it and I'm not gonna believe That's you. That's completely different. No, it's not completely it different. It is completely different. It, it, this is, has to do with someone's internal identity. I'm just telling you how I was and everybody I know and I've raised children and I could tell you the decisions they make at 15, 16, 17, hell, even 18 years old, they're probably going to regret some of those decisions later on I understand what you're saying, but I would hope and that you would maybe do some research into oh, it. Oh, I've researched. I've listened to the people at John Hopkins, I, I've, the, the doctor that first did the first ever trans surgery, who is now 100% against it. I've done my research, okay. so I know... Well, you're kind of hung up on surgery, which is a minuscule part of helping children transition. It's mostly therapy and occasionally therapeutics. 
but surgery is almost non-existent. And it's always with the parents' permission, and it's it's with the advice of doctors. So, so I, I attend a lot of board meetings. Yeah. Um, I've been to at least 10 school board meetings in the last two months throughout the state of California. One side goes in there and wants things hidden from the parents, which I don't agree with. Um, I'm a parent. I wouldn't want the school hiding something from me. And it, that kind of bothers me, that you would take away parental rights from a parent. That and might where is that happening? Oh, Sacramento, Natomas. No, I mean, uh, what was the circumstance of that? I missed that. What, where did you say that was happening? That's happening school, all over. Or? Oh, yeah, Sacramento. Okay. They do not, at 12 years and older, they can give them medical treatment. They can do a lot without their parents' commit. They consent. can't give them medical treatment, but they can advise them. And do you, do you know that the reason that uh, the laws are helping uh, teachers advise children is because they often are endangered at home, and if they tell their parents, they could likely be thrown out or abused. That's the reason for it. It's not uh, because they're trying to take things away from parents. It's because very often children don't have the benefit of accepting parents. Well, well the parents, in my opinion, have the right how they're going to raise their child. You know what my parents told me? When you're 18, you can do what you want, but this is my house. Right, but you're not transgender, so we're talking about a completely different thing here. Well, so. it, apples and oranges then it I, is I, apples and oranges I, i'm out here i support their first amendment right i support did uh, you tell them that i i wasn't able to you had these two instigators here that wouldn't even allow me okay. to film okay that's why the police are here right now okay all right well thank you for talking to me rights are under attack what do we do when human rights are under attack what do we do when trans youth are under attack what do we do Okay, so I'm here with Kara Ingram at the, at the rally. Kara, why are you here today? Because I'm an ally and I stand up for what's right. I stand up for basic human rights, um, the right to be seen and to exist in our community as our authentic selves. Um, it doesn't have to be happening to me personally for me to care about it. Um, so these are my friends, these are my neighbors, these are people in my community that are adversely being affected by hateful rhetoric, by very horrible, um, but, you know, their rights can be taken away. Yeah, and are you concerned with everything that's going on about violence against the transgender community, Very even at so. a rally like this? Very much so. You know, I've had to think about my own personal safety coming out. I've had to, you know, I know that because of recent shootings and things that happen and mindsets that me being on this corner, I could potentially lose my life right. or someone here could, someone I love and care about. And I should be concerned about the members of my community. I should be, you know, we should all be concerned about people standing out here in a street corner saying we just have a right, a base, we need, to, we have a right to exist. So in the face of that fear, why is it important for us to stand out here? Because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of hatred. I'm not afraid to be my true self. I'm not afraid to show that I support people in my community, my faith that things can change is stronger than my fear. That was my next question. Do you have, given that everything is kind of going backwards right now? I you, think sometimes we have to go backwards to go forwards. To go forwards, exactly. Yeah. All right, thank you. Of course. Um, I, I, so Let's I have a, a bit of a poem that uh, my pastor uh, told me today. I'm going to revamp it a little bit. Um, so when they came for the Africans to make them into slaves, you did nothing. And when they came again during segregation, you did nothing. When they came for the Jewish people who were being persecuted, 
you did nothing. And they came for those who are immigrating to this country. You did nothing. And finally, they came for you. And there was no one left to do things for you. We cannot leave people out in the cold. Every life matters. Every life matters. Thank you for that, Chris. That was good. Yeah. So we talked to a lot of great people. And again, we talked to that one protester. Um, if you listen to what he had to say in that interview, and I tried to come back at him as strong as I could, um, even though he was rational compared to like the Proud Boys who I've confronted before, um, he all his facts were wrong. Um, so he was on the more mellow end of the scale as far as protesters. He wasn't yelling and screaming and calling everybody demons from hell. But his ideas were uh, completely uh, irrational. And he wasn't going out and talking to the trans people that were in the crowd, which is, you know, what I did is trying to approach him. I'm on the side of the trans community going to him, trying to get his opinion, but he wasn't doing the opposite. So, you know, I think we need to engage these people. But at this, I, I don't think, you know, we always talk about um, don't talk to these people because they're just going to promote, you're going to promote their cause. I'm of the mind that light overpowers darkness so anytime you can shine a light on the darkness do it and you know a lot of times these people have never had anyone confront them so just asking a couple of questions or giving them a couple of facts might not only shove them in a different direction but their viewers in a different direction because this guy had a camera and he had a whole bunch of viewers but it was a great day um Kaylee and I were thrilled to uh, be there and support we had a lot of <laughs> let me just share a quick story we had a lot of great honks from the traffic going by but there was one woman that still makes me laugh she was right we were right on the corner and she pulled up right in front of us and we were all waving our signs and our flags and we were hoping for honks and she honked and we were like woo, woo she's honking and she looked at us and she goes no she didn't say but she shook her finger i'm not in support of you i'm honking at the car in front of me that's not too fast so that was that was kind of cute but we had a lot of support from fresno at that corner in fresno it's hard to get support for the lgbtq community and we did we had it yeah i would say there was about 100 people or so yeah. if not more and it was a really good turnout the event like I said, it was national. There was all over the state, all over the country. But the one here in Fresno was not promoted until about a week before. So less than a week of, of lead-in time, and people still showed up because it's important. So it was nice. And it was nice to see some um, people of faith there. We there, I know there was a, a Lutheran church, a synagogue, the UU church, and uh, I think a Catholic church was also represented right, in, the, right. in the clergy people that I saw. So that's and then good. the crazy guy from Adventure Church. It was he oh. was also yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, and and there was some. I think there was at least one. I heard, but I did not see. I heard that there was a city council member who was there, um, but I I can't actually. Oh yeah, I can't verify that. that either. Okay, so something. Um, I would I would just love to get your feedback. Okay, so I'm going to just throw some a couple of things at you. This is the segment I'm going to call. This is the segment I'm going to call. Kalia randomly throws facts at Chris and to get his unaltered, you know, uh, non-practiced response. Woo! 
So I think we should have, I'm going to come up with some theme music for Kaylee's randomness in the future, but I don't have it tonight. Okay. So the first one is, okay. So Wellesley, have you heard about what's going on at Wellesley College? I have not. Okay. Let me tell you. So do you know anything about Wellesley College? Um, I don't. Okay, Wellesley College is a women's college. It's one of the oldest. That's the only women's... thing I knew. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hey, there you go. Um, okay, so there we go. La la la. Hillary Clinton went there, by the way. Madeline right. Albright. Right. Efron. Okay. Okay. Anyways, so last month, students supported a referendum that has polarized the campus and all of these things. And what it is, it's non-binding, but basically the students voted on it, and it calls for opening the admission to all non-binary and transgender applicants. Wow. Okay. Including trans men. Really? Yes. Well, how does Her that play into the theme, trans men? Well, this is why. Okay. I'm going to, this is how. Supporters said that the women's colleges have always been safe havens for people facing gender discrimination. And that okay. that with trans people under attack because of their gender across the country, all transgender and non-binary applicants should be able to apply to Wellesley. So this is a done deal or they're talking nope. about it? No, the student body voted on this. Oh. And the president has said that they 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 um they're not gonna do it because this would rewrite the founding mission to only educate women. And the college said it's not going to reconsider the uh you know its position. Um but so the president said no, and the student body is saying we don't care if you say no or not. The student body is is asking, and we will just have to follow the story to see if they anything actually happens. But the student body is like, no man, we're supposed to be a safe haven for people. You know, it's gone beyond just the simple man, woman. Women don't have access to education, which is why we, we existed in the beginning. But this is supposed to be a place that's safe from gender discrimination. And trans people are being discriminated, so well, we uh, need to be a safe place for them. It's interesting. I think, I think that's an incredible step forward. I, I mean, I wouldn't have thought that would happen. We have enough trouble getting trans women included in just women events, little like concerts and things and performances where they don't want uh, women, sports and concerts where they don't want trans women uh, joining. I can't believe that that's happening, but I applaud it. I mean, if that's what the student body wants, I think it's totally okay to have a a female only uh, uh, a school environment. But if they want trans men in there, hey, you know, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah, I just I it is definitely one of those headlines that I saw and bumped on because you're like, wait, what? You know, yeah, but that's, that's even to you and me. That sounds strange. Um, that's it's, it's kind of steps for it kind of steps over in a way trans women who are having trouble getting, uh, you know, included in, in these female institutions and concerts and just, uh, performances, et cetera, and goes right to trans men, which could be seen as going the opposite of supporting yeah. trans women. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I just, I find it fascinating. And and again, it's the student body. So we're again talking about Gen Z, <laughs> right. like people who are like, you know what? No, we're going to demand differences and changes. Okay, so my only other like kind of fun thing here was to throw out I consider myself a relatively you know educated activist um, and member of the of the community but you can always learn new things always and recently I learned a new phrase which is called uh -oh. side have you heard, and I I know I I, I kind oh. of tipped my hat a little bit I asked you about this and I you told did. you not to google you didn't know I have not I, googled it but okay, I'm interested so Okay, so 
I'm going to give you the official definition of it. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I, but first, I and want it's to side S I D E. Yeah. Can you guess? I can't. What does it relate to? What are you even in the okay, category so, of? Okay. So you have tops and you have bottoms. Oh, yeah. I said I thought it was somebody who watched. Somebody who watched. That's right. That's right. So you think it's um, a voyeur. Well, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's what voyeurs. Okay. So, no, actually. Oh, God. I'm what so a side afraid of this is... answer. <laughs> is on, this real on. or are you making this it, up No, yourself? no, it is real. It it's is real. real. It's actually been in the lexicon for over a year. Oh, There's it been... has not. It has to. It's been on Grinder for over a year. Oh, and we're, the term... we're going by Grinder. Okay. It was coined in 2013 by a sex therapist and author. Okay, so hold on. I got to find the right. Oh, I really want to find this now. Okay, here it is. Sides are men who find fulfillment in every kind of sexual act except anal penetration. Instead, a broad range of oral manual and and frictional, sorry, not fictional, but frictional body techniques provide a release that's rich in emotional, physical, and psychological rewards. Oh, so they're fussy whores is what they are. Okay, so they- they Outer course. They won't do the butt, but they'll do everything else. Everything but the butt, yeah. Everything but the butt. And Dr. Cord explained that people can also be side-verse, meaning- you are someone that does not generally have anal sex, but chooses to at times. <laughs> yeah, the right vodka will do it every time. <laughs> no. <laughs> so this is basically uh, about anal sex. Yes. Or, or the about the rejection thereof. of anal sex. Yes. And it's called a think... side. That's fascinating. Yeah. I know so lots top... of guys like that. But I never had, knew they had a name. They have a label. Labels are important. You know, that's how you find the people that you want to jive with properly. Well, you know, and I, I told you when you mentioned this to me that I'd like to talk, and I'll just you know briefly about terminology, which terminology just pisses me off all the time because we don't need to. I've never believed in top or bottoms or any of that stuff. I don't think there's any such thing. What's your wow. opinion on that? I definitely think that people have preferences, and I no, think people it's a- have preferences. But when you say that people are tops or bottoms, at least in the gay male community. They can only seem to land on one of those. And then there's versatile, which nobody ever really admits to, which is pretty uh, much everybody, I think. Can we, I mean, a switch, right? Is that, is that, is that the term, a switch? I'm like, yeah, top, bottom, it's or not switch. versatile anymore, it's switch? Yeah, oh my I'm God. a switch. So switch means you'll do either or any or all of it. You're just a whore all the way around. Is that what that means? I wouldn't define it that way. <laughs> I don't define whore as a negative term, but basically you'll you'll do whatever. So people have always, they still, I've been married for 27 years and they still occasionally will try and say, are you guys, which is the top and which is the bottom? And we never respond because we're not either. We'll do, you know, what we feel like in the moment. I'm sick of the top and bottom thing. It's stupid. Don't you think? Okay. So this is what I think. I think that people like a hierarchy and people like a dichotomy, people like labels, right? Okay. And I think that sometimes they can be very helpful. Okay, but I also think that sometimes they can be taken to an extreme and then they breed um, a lack of imagination after the fact. Right. Right. Um, Because I think if you are somebody who if you are a pillow princess and that is who you are and you're not learning so much, what's a pillow princess? Oh, okay. This is not my job. (laughs) Um, It is. Okay. The listeners okay. want to know, and so do I. I'm playing a dumb. Tell princess me what a pillow princess is. is. Is somebody who only receives and never gives. I want to know somebody who washed the sheets all the time. See, oh I don't even God. know. 
<laughs> but my point is, let me finish my thought. If, okay. if, if say a lady is a pillow friend, she's never going to want to give. She only wants to receive. Then when she is looking for a partner, that is something she needs to be very upfront about because it's only fair to the people getting in okay. romantically right. involved I, with her, I, right? That's fair. So, okay. But, but if you make your entire personality right. about that, that's not cool because right. then you're limiting yourself. That's so what I'm I talking think about. There's a lot of terms like pillow princess that aren't as common because they haven't become a whole identity. But I think top and bottom have become identity. Like, you know, we, we, we talk about it outside of the bedroom now, too. True, you know? true. And I would and, like to say that my version of top or bottom is the one I think should be prevalent. And uh, my version is top means I'll tell you what the hell you're going to do. And as a bottom, you'll accept it. And I don't mean that in the bed. I mean... I'll tell you if I'm driving or not. <laughs> you will not be driving. I'll be. You'll be the passenger, and I'll be driving. I'll be deciding what we have for dinner, not you. That's my top and bottom kind of thing. And I think that, in a way, that has definitely transcended outside of the gay bedroom and into the world at large. Right, because right. I've heard people talking about that, you know, or in that way, a lot, you know. And I think that 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 that's fine. That's healthy. So, yeah. But anyways, so fun sides, terms. Sides, sides. sides. Okay. So and it's again, not French fries on the side of a burger. It's something else. No, no. Although I'm sure we could cut, we could make up our own definition of French fries okay. on the side if you Stay wanted tuned. to. Stay tuned. The next show, <laughs> we're going to make up our own new terminology. We each get to make up one and see if it takes off. Oh, you know what I should have done? I should have like come up with a list and had you guess which ones were real terms and which ones I just made up. So on our next show, we'll come up with a list of terminology and you'll get to guess which ones are real and which are well, not. This is a perfect time to bring up our email address, which is it's oh, a yeah. queer. Oh, yes. Send us your term. Are you a side or a top or a, no. or a what was it? Tell us, tell us. Yes. Tell us all the fun terms and any ones that you want to make up. Please. Um, our email is it's a queer thing, T H A N G, at gmail.com. <laughs> and we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on TikTok. Look at our TikTok videos. And mm -hmm. what else are we on? I think that's uh, we're it, on right? all the, the all the podcast places. And anywhere yes. you can find a podcast, you can find us there. So one thing we want to make clear to people, we love doing the radio show at KFCF on the third Friday of every month. And we are going to continue to do that. It's the longest running radio show on that station. Um, but that show and these new shows that we're starting to do uh, additionally in the month are available as a podcast anywhere you find your podcast. So please find It's a Queer Thing, T-H-A-N-G, anywhere you find your podcast and subscribe and like us. Yeah, because they, they won't let us talk about Tops, Bottoms, and Pillow Princesses probably on the, on the radio. radio show. We're limited. That's why we've been so free and open tonight. I would yes. say that our, our new terms are she's free and I'm open. <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, let's, let's check that out. <laughs> We'll, we'll figure that out later. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you in the podcast feeds in the future. All right, see you later, guys. <laughs>